Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So then, to Tunisia, and the parliament passed a vote of uh, no confidence in Prime Minister Habib Asid entering into this unstable political situation where we now find ourselves. Five years since the Arab Spring in 2011, the country swiftly went through five prime ministers and looking at number six. Yet Tunisia is held up as an example of a success story within the context of the Arab Spring that swept through other nations who were less fortunate. Professor Steve Fish from the University of California, Berkeley Department of Political Science joins us on the line. Good morning to you. My pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, can you just take us through the latest situation with the leadership in the, in the country uh, and, and how that reflects on the country's political stability or otherwise? Sure. Well, there's been a change of prime ministers. Uh, Parliament uh, voted to sack the previous prime minister, who was a technocrat, an economist and a technocrat. And there's now a new prime minister in office who many people think is very much the hand-picked uh, successor to the previous prime minister of the president. And some people worry that he will just be a puppet of the president's rather than having his own way of doing things. Um, at any rate, what it says about the country in terms of its democratization is not what we often might think it says, which is that this is an unstable situation, the country is in crisis. Uh, Tunisia has enormous economic problems that it needs to face, as well as problems with terrorism. At the same time, this kind of peaceful change of prime ministers, what we see now in the instability in government, is actually a sign of, of progress and of, and of the health of democracy. But, uh, you know, how threatening is that economic situation, for example, with uh, public officials possibly uh, facing financial challenges themselves in future years if there's not enough money to pay them, not, not to mention the country's young people who've been protesting and so on? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's very challenging. This is clearly Tunisia's biggest problem. You know, in some sense, the government faces the same problem that governments in Europe do, which is, uh, and governments all over the world, which is that they're out of money. They have a serious financial crisis. And in Tunisia, being a democracy now, um, groups in civil society, including trade unions and unions of government employees, are free to organize. And when the government tries to cut back on wages or salaries or to do other, you know, undertake other austerity measures, people have the right to, you know, rise up and, and try to stop them and form social movement organizations and form political parties that then uh, push back against the government. So this is in some sense a test for Tunisian democracy. Is this new democratic regime capable of making the hard choices it needs to in imposing them? while, you know, leaving, leaving the polity free, leaving people free to organize, um, sticking with, with free elections. Mm. This is very difficult. This is a problem that all new democracies face. And remember, a lot of authoritarian regimes leave an economic mess when they leave power. That's part of why they, they were thrown out to begin with. So this is not an uncommon problem. Let's just reflect just over a year on, I mean, it was 26th of June 2015 when that mass shooting took place at a tourist resort in Tunisia. Uh, we, we saw 38 people killed, um, 30 of whom were British. And that was shocking because Tunisia was, as I said before, seen as a relative success story out of the Arab Spring movement 
but obviously is not free from the threat of uh, terror. Uh, what about more than 12 months on? What's the situation? How secure is the country? It's a little more secure than then. Measures have been taken by the government. But look, it's very hard to you know guarantee that things like what happened last year, that horrible event that you just mentioned, don't happen. I mean, it's not that hard for... Um, you know, for terrorists to just step onto a beach or step into a nightclub and start shooting. You can't guard every public place in a city effectively. No. So this is a very big problem. But it's not a Tunisian problem. It's a, it's a global problem. We have the same problem in the United States now. Um, as you know, uh, France has a terrible problem like this. Most countries, many countries in the world do. Tunisia is one of them. Uh, obviously, as, an, as the only Arab democracy, it's a country of special concern for us. But this is not merely a Tunisian problem. It's one that a lot of the world is suffering from. And in the Tunisian case, though, it has a link to the economy that's even stronger than it would in many other countries because mm. Tunisia relies in large part on tourism. And ISIS are attacking tourists explicitly, you know, with the, the intent of undermining the economy. So when tourism revenues dry up, that's a bigger deal for Tunisia than it would be for many other countries. Um, so, yes, terrorism and the economic problem really tie in together. I mean, you really would have thought that uh, Tunisia would be a major target for Islamic extremists because while the constitution guarantees freedom of religion, it's, it's actually seen as being slightly slanted against um, traditional conservative Muslims who wish to wear traditional clothing, for example, who, by all accounts, uh, the accounts, for example, of NGOs, are being targeted and sometimes tortured as terror suspects simply because of the way they look. I mean, how much truth is there to that situation on the ground? Look, I mean, there's, there's some problem with that right now, but much less than there would be in, in a place like Egypt, uh, where, you know, you do not have a democracy. Tunisia, as much as these countries still suffer from human rights abuses, is by far in the Arab world now the best when it comes to respecting human rights, and it's because it's a democracy. Uh, so these incidents still happen, but they're much less frequent than they are elsewhere. And what's more, um, Islamists can push back. They can push back in the electoral arena, and it looks like they're going to have a bigger bigger say in the new government, people from the Anhada party. So you know they're able to fight it out democratically. Of course, Tunisia is a target, an ISIS target, not only because of its perceived to be relatively secularist government, although it's much less secular than it was before because Islamists can compete in government, but also because it's a democracy, and democracy is absolutely anathema to, to the Islamists, to ISIS. That's, as much, that's a bigger threat than secularism to them. Interesting. Uh, so, a brief wrap-up here. Where do you see this heading? You were relatively optimistic at the start of this interview in terms of viewing this turmoil politically as, as being part of the, uh, the burgeoning democracy that's uh, emerged in the country. Um, so you're relatively confident then going forward that, that things will stabilise? Well, they, they face enormous challenges economically and the problem of terrorism we talked about being tied into economic problems. Those problems will not go away. There's no guarantee that this transition in, in Tunisia will stay on, on track. Any country with economic problems of this magnitude, you know, we can say that democracy is, is probably tenuous at this point, and it's fairly young. But let's look at the way the previous prime minister was dismissed. He was voted out in a vote of no confidence, just the way he or she he would be in a, in a parliamentary democracy in Europe. Then, when he gave his final statement after being voted out, 
And he said, okay, I've lost this vote, I'm stepping down as prime minister, but we have the resources to make democracy survive in Tunisia. He was given a standing ovation by the very legislators who had just voted him out. This is what democracy looks like. I'm not saying that that means democracy will survive in Tunisia. Unemployment is rising among the youth. It's possible there will be rebellion that will that will sell this government. That's possible. We have to look at this instability um, in the framework of, of where it's happening. Where it's happening is in a, in a parliamentary democracy. And it's happening the way we would see it happening in Europe. That's good news. Right. Thank you for that balanced outlook, Professor Fish. My pleasure. Professor Steve Fish on the line with us there from UC Berkeley. And you can email us any reaction you have or if you ever want to get in touch to uh, make any requests related to our guests or particular topics, efmthismorning at gmail.com. We also welcome your text throughout the show, Poundersharp1013 for 51 per message. And you can get in touch free of charge via Kakao Talk, search TBS EFM via Plus Friend, and then you can message away all of our shows at any time. Uh, as often as you like. Look forward to your interaction. Stay with us now, though. We're going to catch up on the latest, and in some places, good news, for Team South Korea in Rio.